0: You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitstairs, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Friday, August the 25th, which immediately reminds me to say, happy 16th anniversary to Laura. And I'm sorry I'm not at home today. I am, of course, at York for day three of the Skybet York Ebor Festival. The feature race today, the Coolmore Wooden Bassett Nunthorpe Stakes. Will Highfield Princess defend her crown? We had another absorbing day of racing on day two. Lydia Hislop was there with me to enjoy it, is here with me to reflect upon it now. Lydia, what did we learn from the victories of Warm Heart in the Yorkshire Oaks, Relief Rally in the Lowther and plenty more besides?
1: Well, it was a, uh, a great day's racing all over again and I really enjoyed the Yorkshire Oaks where Warm Heart got a dream run round. Um, James Dore got his first winner for Aidan O'Brien at the 11th attempt. It was um, a different link-up for him because he, we most often see him in a Group 1 wins Enclosure winning something for Godolphin. This time it was for Aidan O'Brien and Warm Heart clearly did revel in the fast conditions. Afterwards, Frankie de was ruining the fact that he was stuck in a little bit of a pocket. He would have liked to have got rolling sooner on free wind and then maybe it might have got interesting. The distance between them at the line was just ahead but Warm Heart did rally once free wind started to bear down on her. Um, but it was, it was a good performance. I got the impression it was a strong and deep group one. dance uh, could well be heading towards the St. Ledger. She was third, the stable companion of the winner. Uh, the arc, particularly if Soft Ground comes up, which we know is uh, the conditions under which she's at her optimum. That's an option as well, Aidan O'Brien said later. Whereas he's talking about America, potentially, for warm hearts. Santa Anita, he thinks that she'd be particularly well suited to the demands of the Breeders' Cup. Blue stocking back in forth needs to find a, a win, Rafe Beckett was thinking afterwards. But um, this is a, a filly who's finished second in the Irish Oaks, fourth in the Yorkshire Oaks, third in the Ribblesdale, so she's clearly a high-class filly and she'll be seeking some Group 1 targets. And even back to the 5th, William Haggis was undeterred from um, keeping Sea Silk Road at at this level and could be heading to the Vermeer. So um, I I got the impression that this was a good and deep Yorkshire Oaks and a good winner.
0: And do you think this will beget more Group 1 rides for James Doyle, for Bally Doyle? eh? Aidan O'Brien was quite effusive about James Doyle afterwards. I thought I was quite struck by that. He's not one to normally sort of you know, lavish praise on outside riders.
1: No, um, but obviously Aidan O'Brien has got a a lot of riders back at home that he can call on in various circumstances. And we see that in the major group ones in Ireland and in Britain. And clearly James Doyle has has got the tie up with Godolphin. So I think he he will remain on Aidan O'Brien's radar. But at this stage, I'm not thinking it would be any more than that. Do you think differently?
0: I don't know. I just think. I mean, I know Wayne Lorden's uh, injured, uh, has been injured for quite some time now. Shamey um, Heffernan is probably reaching the autumn of his of his career. Uh, and I just wondered whether he wanted to sort of widen his circle, particularly with a view to some of the international races. I, I he described him as a very classy jockey who we always try and get if we can. And I just I was just struck by that sentence. I don't suppose he was just taking it off the top of his head.
1: No, oh, well, it very rarely is, is it? Uh, so um, I, it makes good, it makes good sense, doesn't it, for, for Aidan O'Brien to be able to to call on uh, riders who might well be at international targets with for other reasons to be able to. Uh, Call them up to to ride for them and maybe some of the uh, the other races. So I mean, it, it makes good business sense, really, doesn't it? And and certainly it was a it was a lovely straightforward ride. And James was clearly had been hoping that he might get it. Uh, he got the call up just after declarations, but he'd been eyeing the empty name where the jockey's name should be and wondering whether it might be him to him to take it. And so it was. But it wasn't just the Yorkshire Oaks, was it? We, we had a really good lather in which Relief Rally really showed her metal to come from what a dis- there was a disadvantageous position she got sort of checked and had to come round um but she managed to eat up ground later on and beat cherry blossom who looks more of a of a guineas type um sorry a commonwealth cup type horse and um symbology back in third as well for for clive cox he was very pleased with her but relief rally now going to the Cheveley Park immediately after the super sprint. They were thinking that the Abbey uh, was going to be the target. She'd take the superstar Leo kind of route, um, the filly who was so brilliant for the the Haggis team um, previously. Um, but now that she's proved her stamina over six furlongs, they are quite taken with the Cheevy Park. Via the Flying Childers, even though it's Group 2, William Haggis indicating afterwards that This is the kind of filly who is thriving on being busy and he quite likes her being in that routine and would like to keep running her ahead of the bigger targets or the biggest targets in the autumn of her career.
0: Yeah, Anthony Bromley, who manages the owner's racing interests, was suggesting that the Breeders' Cup might be somewhere they'd end up at the end of the season as well. So they're they're going to be squeezing the lemon between now and the end of 2023. She is a now filly, isn't she?
1: Yes, she's clearly a this year filly. And then we have the uh, the Goffs, UK, Harry Beebe Premier Yearling Stakes which was won by Dragon Leader very impressively by four and a half lengths and to bang the drums suggesting that really he should have been in today's Gym Crack, the Group 2 which is run, run at the at the same meeting over at the same course and distance and as of next year um, will be for uh, quite a bit less money uh, the Gym Crack that is. Um, Guy Cox was talking afterwards, clearly Dragon Leader is a syndicate owned horse um, uh, you know with Kennet Valley syndicates, and he was saying that this was a horse that he purposely hadn't entered in group races because he's qualified for all the major sales races, this one and Doncaster, so it sounds like it might have don- the next as well. And then he his view would be that you potentially earned enough money to be able to uh, supplement for the middle park, particularly in a sort of syndicate type scenario. So I, I do, I do get that argument. But in terms of the, the greater good of British racing, it would have been better for the pattern, better for the standard of the gym crack if Dragon Leader had been in that race.
0: This is a bone that you are not going to release anytime soon, isn't it?
1: I am, I am not. I am not. I, I just think it's detrimental. It's detrimental to the greater good, and it forces trainers to have to consider races when really they know that they, they should, in inverted commas, be running their best horses in the pattern. And if we, you know, we're just mortgaging um, the future for the sake of some big headlines. And also, I just don't like the setup of sales races. Owners co- contribute a huge amount of the prize money to it, a, a disproportionate amount of the prize money. It's basically owners running for their own money.
0: All right, well, the syndicate, the benefit was Kennett Valley Syndicates, um, who, who had the winner, Dragon Leader. There, Sam Hoskins was on the show, actually, during, during Glorious Goodwood, but it gives me the opportunity to check in with him again. I mean, Sam, for you as a, a syndicate manager, I, I guess the benefits of this are, are pretty obvious. Um, where, where do you stand on, on sales races as a, as a concept? Well, Nick, I'd have to, I, I'm aware
2: they divide opinion, um, but I have to say with my Kennet Valley hat on, obviously, we very behind them. And actually, Kennet Valley was founded in the, in the late 80s by Nick Robinson with, with the idea of targeting the original Cartier Million sales races, which are before my time. But um, without those sales races, Kennet Valley probably wouldn't exist. So uh, I suppose I'd probably have to be very biased on
0: that front. And this is a a big pot for you. What what do you do with the money? If that's not a, a stupid question, <laughs> I was going to try and come up with funny answer. No, but
2: all all of the prize money goes back to the syndicate members. So, uh, but so for that, um that's great for them, and um, hopefully hopefully it helps subsidise some of their racing costs. Or um, I mean, it's, it's a huge pot, and um, it uh, I mean it's, it it is it's it's more than some of the some of the pattern races are worth. So it is. Um, Naturally, we're swayed towards the money on that respect, and uh, it's obviously that's the race planning going forward it's, um, when it comes to looking at group races or potentially the, uh, the, whether it be the Hamilton Sales race at Doncaster next month, I mean we're probably going to end up going
0: going for another sales race next time to be honest because the money's there so it's really it, the, the money is the is the big driver. Do you see this horse as a, as a horse who does belong in in, in patent company um, essentially?
2: Well, I think I mean I haven't I mean all like I haven't I don't really know much more than everyone saw yesterday really. And Clive's always really liked him, and I think the one thing was with Clive is that he was he was surprised when he won first time out because he didn't think he was quite ready. And the last day he he'd come off a slightly interrupted preparation. He just needed to get that second run into him before York yesterday. And um, so so he probably and look he was, he was game and fought hard to win that second run that second one off off a penalty. And um, I, yeah, I mean I think he. He probably deserves to go into it um but i'm i take the view that um let's try and pick up as much prize money as possible before having to do it and um and there's another race at the end of the season which the, there's an ebf uh, restricted uh, race final at york which is another hundred grand race uh for horses that are running restricted races and um those kind of races should be supported as well for the ebs so anyway there's lots of really lovely Plans and i think we'll just enjoy yesterday we we're very lucky to win it and it's, and it's special um and, and on the topic of the sales races we we're actually nick nick robinson himself did win this race with kate Spear a number of years ago um so it's uh, it is actually i believe it's the second time our syndicate have won it but
0: this is the first time with me and me with any involvement sam hoskins reflecting on the triumph yesterday of dragon leader in the goffs harry Beebe sales race sad news came to us yesterday ...of the death of Lady O'Reilly at the age of 73. Chris O'Reilly, born Chris Gulandris, was somebody steeped in horse racing. Her great passion. She was a very successful owner, a hugely successful breeder... ...and also involved very heavily in, in the administration of the sport... And the depth and breadth of her contribution, Lydia, was something I hadn't really fully appreciated until I started reading some of the tributes to her today. I was lucky enough to meet her just the once. and found her a, a delightful, kind, charming lady and could identify with a lot of the, the, the tributes that have been paid from many of her trainers and people she worked with. And and just a few days ago, uh, it's reported she was thoroughly enjoying the Arcana Yearling Sale at, at Deauville.
1: Former chair of the Irish National stud a previous owner of castle martin stud um she was uh, born in uh, america but she had dual american and greek citizenship she shared a love of uh, racing and breeding with her two uncles um and she was responsible for um influential like Highest Honor and Lawman, and group woman like the Arkwin Helicio, the Irish Pretty Polly winner Chinese Right, the Ch- Chiefly Park winner Lightning Pearl. And it, I mean, it does seem to have been quite sudden. As you mentioned, um, she was present at the Arcana sales last week in Deauville, and her yearling consignment put her amongst the top 10 vendors at that sale. And only on Saturday, horses that um, she had bred, Witch Hunter, winner Group Two, uh, at Newbury the Hungerford Stakes and the Vespertillo in a group 2 the debutante stakes so um she's such a, a significant figure um lady chris O'Reilly. and uh, for those who who want to learn more about her and just remember the impact that she has made on on breeding and on 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 racing administration all, all of those things such an impact uh emma berry's piece in uh, tdn europe is really worth reading so i recommend everybody to look that up
0: Lady O'Reilly, Chris O'Reilly, who has died at the age of 73. Yesterday on the podcast, you'll have heard me talking to trainer Richard Fahey, as he paid tribute to the career achievements of his longtime stable rider, Paul Hannigan, who announced his decision to retire earlier in the week, and who does retire after running Wharton's Son for Fahey in the opening race at York this afternoon. Uh, Paul joins me now. Paul... You've had a couple of days for the dust to settle since you you made the announcement. How are you feeling about about today?
3: Uh, I'm not going to lie, Nick. It's it's very emotional. Uh, It's been a a very emotional few days. Um, I think as it gets closer uh, to the time and it starts to get more real, um, you know, I've been doing it now for nearly... I've been riding now for nearly three decades, which is... A hell of a long time and um as i say i think there's um there's going to be a few uh, tears to yet shed today
0: you've had a, an awful lot of of well wishes over the last couple of days some lovely things said and written what's been your reaction to that
3: uh, very, very taken back by it all uh, look I, I know i made a uh, a bit of an impact, obviously being champion jockey twice and 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 having such a high profile job with Shake Handan But you know, I, I, I've I've literally I'm still going, trying to get through the messages now. You over 500 plus messages. Um, it, it, it's just been absolutely surreal, and and the messages of people um, that, that that I don't even know. Um, it has it, just been very very uh surreal it's been
0: it's been absolutely beautiful uh, richard Farhe um spoke really well yesterday on the on the podcast as you as you might expect there was a quite a sweet moment when he said that when you joined him from malcolm jefferson malcolm described you as a a proper little gentleman how important has being a a gentleman a good a good guy a good person been to informing the way you've gone about your career
3: yeah, I mean, I've I, I've been brought up um, very luckily by by you know some lovely people. My, 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 my parents have have brought me up well, and I'd like to think I bring I, brought, I bring my uh, sons up well. And um, I've always used it the same phrase, Nick. You know, treat people as though you, as though you'd like to be treated, and I think that's always worked. Some some sometimes it's. Uh, <laughs> It gets a little bit annoying when when um, people say he's, he's too nice or something along the line. And believe me, I think if you ask a lot of the Weymouth room, I'm, I'm certainly not too nice. I think two times champion jockey, you can't be too nice. So, look, I, I, I've always I've always had the feeling that um, you know treat people as as as, they, as though you'd like to be treated.
0: What were you putting yourself through during during those years during what you could describe as your heyday?
3: Well, I think I think it's changed a lot now, obviously, because um, when I was doing the champion jockey, there was two meetings a day. So, um, look, looking back, I, I don't quite know how um, I I did some of the days because um, I think I think a normal day would probably be you know, riding out at 7 o'clock in the morning for Richard, uh, six lots, uh, jumping in the car, uh, sometimes not even able to get changed, straight to the races, um, they hid up in the Aspen, and driving up to Hamilton for an evening meeting, so, you know, it could be 12 rides that day, sat on about 20 horses and all that day, and, and, and same again the next day, and um, it, it, it was just, I mean, luck. I, I enjoyed every minute. Believe me, there were such wonderful times, um, but uh, very, very grueling days, let me tell you.
0: There are some exciting days ahead, because you, you've got the, the beginnings of a, of a new chapter, what you're going to head into next. Just tell me a bit more about it.
3: Yeah, look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with uh, the Good Racing Company. Um, I started off ambassador <coughs> excuse me, for, for, for the last year, and... Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of going towards kind of the racing director where I'm going to try and guide them. And um, what it is, the Good Racing Company, people would have probably seen that uh, the charities that, that it covers, such as the Rob Burrow Racing Club. Um, people will know Rob Burrow, the legend rugby league player uh, who sadly has MND. Um, and it's just basically bringing people into the racing where... They can go and enjoy racing, and also uh, for for, for a membership fee, um, they, it goes to the charities. It, it covers uh, racing welfare, uh, one of so it's it, it's different horses in the charities, different syndicates, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to being more, more more a part of it. Look, I'm I'm open to more suggestions. I'd, I'd love to do um, more punditry. Um, as well and, and just giving my insight of god 26 27 years in in, in the game so i'm i'm I'm, ho- I'm i'm hoping you know more doors kind of open as well and uh, it's just very exciting for the next, next chapter nick
0: you've got one very important final accomplishment to to secure this afternoon um is he going to do it
3: Oh, it would just be fairy tale, wouldn't it? I mean, it's fairy tale already. I mean, um, what 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 whaton's son arrived today, my final ride. Obviously, he, he's he's the he's the son of Wotton Bassett. Where you know Wotton Bassett's making a, a huge name for himself now in the stallion ranks, and you know I had a lot of success on Whaton Bassett at York. And um, so you know to, to to go out on a on a winner once on today for
0: Richard um, would, would be very special uh Paul Hannigan there Lydia's still with me uh he's um he's been great this week in 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 talking to to you the other day uh, lovely interview there uh, and he will be missed from from the saddle in the weighing room I'm, I'm absolutely sure.
1: He will be greatly missed, Uh, not just a talented jockey, but somebody who everybody unanimously unanimously testifies, anyone who knows him, is uh, just a, a very, very nice human being. And it was clearly he's clearly been struggling, and it, within the family they've had to to come to the conclusion about what they want to do. Um, and he has decided that you know, he said, "I'm ready," didn't he? When he he spoke to me in an interview on on Wednesday, he's ready to retire. Well, I think we're probably ready to celebrate uh, an, a winning retirement ride on Wootton Sun, who's got yeah. a very strong chance in our opening race. But I mean, it shouldn't be underestimated. Paul Hannigan, only the third. Uh, northern-based jockey able to become champion jockey within the 20th century. The previous one, Kevin Daly, you have to go back to the early 1900s, I think, for the... The first one, um, and that is a, a really significant milestone. And he said on on Wednesday that you know that j- it just shows that if you work hard, it can be done. Obviously, recognising his great relationship with R- Richard farhi and that enduring relationship, hopefully, will sign off with the win of Sun And also, he was talking about how much he enjoyed and how proud he was of those four and a half years that he spent as retained rider to the Lake and down tomb and brought him uh, an Oaks and King George winner into and also a four-time Group 1 winner in Mohara, amongst other success stories.
0: The victory on Wooden Sun would be hugely popular, and I can imagine that the the jockeys will all applaud Paul Hannigan. And one of the most striking moments on a race course that I've witnessed was when uh, jump jockey Jamie Moore won the champion chase on de Gruji. And all the jockeys came out of the weighing room and applauded him back into the winner's enclosure, and it was... Announced yesterday that Sidergurushia died at the age of seventeen. He was way, way more than just another racehorse to the the Moore family, and that's notwithstanding how how good he was on the track either. You sensed a real bond between horse and rider,
1: very much so. And at the moment you you mentioned that uh, the link that you made there, I knew where you were going because, uh, if, like you, it is one of the most memorable moments, and it just again reflects the esteem with which Jamie Moore's colleagues hold him and with which the sport hold his dad, um, Gary Moore, as well, in the way that they were congratulated for the, their 2014 Queen Mother Champion Chase winner at Cheltenham. That campaign was fantastic, 2013-2014. Really dominant two-mile chaser that season, won six of his seven starts, including four grade ones, the first of his two Tingle Creeks, as well as the Champion Chase, a, a wide margin win in the Clarence House, and the second of his celebration chases. He was a superb horse for the Preston family, and we used to see them with their red, white, and blue scarves to reflect his colours but I was really struck by the uh, tribute that Jamie and Gary Moore paid to to Sayada Guruji in the racing post today. Uh, Jamie Moore said I could talk about him all day to anyone as he was so good to me, especially after racing, he went from this powerful racehorse to such a gentle animal and was just incredible. He meant the world to me and was part of the family. He'd call for me every night and day from his stable and he was doing that right until the very end. He was everything to me And he had the heart of a lion. And Gary Moore said that that six cent of feet of Summersby in 2014 at Cheltenham was uh, one of his greatest days in racing, if not one of my best days in racing, um, the best, if not the best. Um, And he said... um, he was the complete horse and as hard as nails. You could see how he changed after racing. Jamie's daughter and wife were able to ride him. And Jamie also built a stable for him. If we ever got stuck for a lead horse, we'd just put the tack on him. He was a great friend to everyone. This is a, a, a 17-year-old uh, racehorse who touched many racing fans. with such an intrinsic part of the mooryard. They're going to massively miss him. But we're going to remember him as, as one of the most beautiful stories, really, that racing has thrown up in recent years
0: well today of course the feature race is the coolmore wooden bassett nunthorpe stakes a highfield princess the defending champion seeking to avenge her defeat at the hands of bradsel in the king's stand and you've always got the um, rather delicious added possibility of a two-year-old winning this race and it's a real one this year with big evs in the lineup as well lydia which way do you see it heading
1: uh, towards Highfield Princess. I think she'll become the 10th horse to win this race twice. I never really feel that she's at her absolute optimum. at long as I don't feel that, that's, that that course suits her so much, albeit that she's a bit better over the five than she is over the six. I think places like York suit her really well. She showed that last year when chancing the Platinum Queen by two and a half lengths, really travelling strongly. And of course, Jason Hart is most associated with Highfield Princess, but he also rode... Big Evs to victory in the Molcombe, the the two-year-old from Mick Appleby's yard, and it was quite clear where Jason Hart felt that the superior ability at this stage in their career lay, lay, and that would be with Highfield Princess. That said, Big Evs is a fast horse. I think these fast conditions will suit better. The slick conditions will suit better than uh, what he encountered at Goodwood, where I think he did well to win. Clearly, he's got a will to win, and he would provide Mick Appleby his trainer with a first Group 1 success were he to win. Andrea Atsenian uh, has taken the ride and um, the rain this week at, at, at York that uh, if at the start of the week I was expecting rain every day and then uh, as each day passed the, the threat of rain has receded and now it looks like if there's going to be some rain there might be a chance of a passing shower this afternoon but a thundery shower maybe around lunchtime on Saturday um, so at the moment horses that need fast ground are going to be well suited by conditions to me that in in the places and particularly if you can get extended place terms that brings ladies church for johnny Murta right into things whereas you know the opposite would apply to nymphadora who would like like the 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 heavens to open up and and fall and i don't think that that is going to happen so that would be interesting of course twilight calls is, is there as well henry candy um, has won this race with Kalaki his grandsire previously and he Fable is there representing Aidan O'Brien who's won this race previously with Mozart and also with Stravinsky so it's going to be a really interesting and it's like a full deep field and as you say the fact that there is a two-year-old adds some extra spice
0: and what about FIBA the Ebor tomorrow um have we got a reserve sneaking in now
1: We have got a reserve sneaking in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Post-Impressionist has just snuck in because Morricana has been withdrawn by Sheila Lavery with a self-certificate. That horse is stiff. Um, And uh, I hope that... he is okay. She is okay rather. Apologies, she's a mare. Um, she uh, ran in the in the instead. So um she's come out and that allows post impressionists for William Haggis and Aaron, Adam farraher to um take part. Yeah, it looks like a really exciting race. You've got the Shergar Cup winner, Scampy there with a four-pound penalty, Jason Hart now riding because Safi Osborne is uh, riding random harvest at Goodwood instead. Um claim for claim for that. Horse, so um, Jason Hart steps in. Sweet William, another good, a Goodwood winner. Um, he is the mount of Rab Havlin. I know there's been some questions about whether he's going to handle the ground, but I mean, it was pretty fast at Doncaster, um, on his uh, in July when, when he won. Um, so I, and you know, it was pretty fast at Ascot last season when he finished second. I'm I'm not really bothered about that. I know his his um, one of his better performances was last time in heavy ground at Goodwood, but I think that's just a, an expression of his progression and where he is at the moment, rather than a preference for any ground. What do you think?
0: Uh, I suppose you'd worry because he he had lots of screws inserted in his leg as a as a younger horse. That if the ground really quickened up markedly, that might be a, that might be a concern. Um, whether whether he is effective on it. Um, as things stand, I think that's that's not an issue. I think he's he's perfectly effective on it. Um you just you always worry yeah, a horse who's had, who's had a, had a leg injury, the extent to which they they would feel it um if they were faced with it too often.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a good point, um, which I hadn't weighed and should have done. So yeah, um, there is that to take into account, and uh, other horses to be thinking about. Absurd, who's the mount of Frankie for Willie Mullins? Yeah, who just got a little bit. This horse got a little bit too far back behind Vauban in the copper uh, copper horse at, at Royal Ascot.
0: Yeah, I think they quietly fancy this horse as well. Um, judging from conversations I was having when I was over there last week, so yeah, I can, yeah. I can see that.
1: Can I throw in a 10-year-old? Why not? Why um, not? People will be, <laughs> might be rolling their eyes. How can a 10-year-old have a chance in the e Well, he's trained by Jim Goldie, so that argument falls. And last time out, he was third to Sweet William at Goodwood. I don't think he likes tracks like Goodwood so much. He's put up some perfect Definitely reasonable performances there. I think places like Sandan, places like York, suit him really well. When he can, where he can really get rolling on a flat track, um, he's versatile in terms of in terms of ground. He likes it, like he can, likes it quick. Uh, I think he could run really well. You uh, can, Glenn, and he's uh, quite a big price.
0: All right, time for today's World Pool update. Here is Jamie Hart.
4: Hello, Nick. Yes, it's day three of the uh, World Pool at York. Um, of course this is where the totes around the world bet all into one big pool for the best of British racing and we've had some great racing over the last couple of days. Just under £50 million pounds has been bet into those pools at York on those two days. Uh, we've also had some pretty big payouts, so the biggest payout so far was just over 14700 for the trifecta, that's the 1-2-3, in Ropy guests race yesterday tricast just paid five thousand three hundred in that race so you can see that those big pools really do churn out uh, big payout opportunities for people now there's one bet that always throws up value but not many people know about it they might want to try it's only available on the world pool it's the treble and it's picking the winner of the last three races so if you're looking for a big payout over the last three races on the on wednesday the treble paid 1667 Whereas the SP, you know, if you'd back those in a normal SP treble, you would just got 459 quid. So yesterday is a similar story, a bit easier to get yesterday, the favourite in there and a couple of second favourites. The treble paid 500, just over 500 pounds and the SP treble is just 168 pounds. So it's worth having a look at, mixing up a few. I normally perm a couple, have a banker and, you know, for, for quids, you can end up with a decent payout just on picking those last three winners. Looking through the the pages today, looking for some underpays and overpays on the Whirlpool. Earliest today that I can see, Killian is really not popular in the gym cracks. So Killian, five to two in the UK, five to one on the Whirlpool at the moment. So that might be one to look out for in your exotics.
0: Well, as we were discussing yesterday, one of the features of York's Ebor Festival from an industry point of view is how many people from foreign jurisdictions are here this week representatives from um, breeders cup mooney valley and a big contingent from the vrc the victoria racing club here on the melbourne cup tour which i've been really lucky to be a bit of a part of uh, lee jordan from the, the vrc is with me now lee i know york is a bit of an annual pilgrimage for you you go racing all over the world what do you love about this week
5: uh it, it's it's a great festival and i think you know you gotta take your head off to a guy like William Darby who runs the club, he, he really puts on a good show. He's focused on the horsemen. You get top-class horses here. And I like it especially for Flemington because the York track is very similar to Flemington. Um, the meeting's positioned perfectly. The horses could run here and then go into the Melbourne Cup. And, you know, we've obviously got two races this week, uh, the Group 2 Lonsdale Cup over two miles on Friday. And, of course, the Ebor Handicap on Saturday over 2,800 metres, in which this year has become a win-and-you're-in race, so the win- winner of the EVA was automatically in the Melbourne Cup, so, but it's just a great festival, I think the Yorkshire people love their racing, they get right into
0: it, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to come back here every year, Nick. <laughs> and you've been a very, very busy man, your team have been here, there, and everywhere over the last fortnight, just give me an idea of your itinerary.
5: Well, we um, come off the plane and we went straight into Willie Mullins, which I don't know if that was a really good idea or not, but anyway, we saw... we we're saw straight to dinner with Willie Mullins. <laughs> yeah, so that was good, and we um, you're obviously there. We had a good chat with him um, uh, the next day, and we went to Aidan. We've seen Aidan O'Brien we went, to, went to Coolmore. Uh, then we saw Dermot Weld and also Johnny Murtagh. We went over to France, and we were at Deauville Sales, which was great, and then also at the races on the Sunday with the Group 2 Kurgle, which has been a race, horses like um, Dan uh, Red and the Amer- uh, American that have used this race as a, as a race I don't think anything will come out of that uh, but look, it was a great weekend then we went to Newmarket for, for a day and then we're here so it's, it's been a world
0: win trip but it's been very beneficial and While you've been over here there have been two announcements or, or two suggestions that have been a, a delight really if you're a follower of the, the Melbourne Cup One's come from William Haggis the, the Royal Runner Desert Hero after the ledger could well come out and the other being that Aidan O'Brien is back in business and fancies sending Tara London. I mean, how significant are both of those things for different reasons? Well, they are both significant, and I think if the King brings Desert
5: Hero, I mean, the Royals have a huge following in Australia, and I think for that horse to come down, I mean, just William teasing, teasing us with just saying he'll nominate the horse created massive uh, publicity back in australia so if he actually brings the horse we know obviously the english st is the next target so will depend a lot on that but if that horse comes that is really significant and it'd be good to get william i know william's gone to sydney and i know he's you know he, he's made some comments about our protocols but hopefully he'll work through all that and look it'd be fantastic to have a, a trainer of his status to come to melbourne and obviously aiden's been before we want him back and uh, yeah, he was he was positive. So um, you know, it, it's looking good. It's looking positive.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like Joseph's going to come back with at least one, maybe two or three, uh, for the cup. You mentioned the protocols, obviously much debated. The enhanced veterinary testing, uh, the, the the much more stringent regime now of horses having to be checked before they go to to Victoria. Do you do you get the sense that whatever their views, that the senior European trainers now are just saying, well, all right that's something we've just got to work with we don't want to miss out
5: yeah i I think you're right and look um we want internationals to come to the melbourne cup that's that's a that's a given um unfortunately not unfortunately but fortunately the cup has such a profile that whatever happens in the cup is is news in australia and around the world and uh we just had to put some measures in in place to protect that so we don't uh we don't apologize for that but um, hopefully as you're just saying is maybe some of them are, are realizing that's what we're going to do we're going to find the right horse to bring and hopefully this year there'll, there'll be some like Aidan and a few others that will be coming back which will be great Lee thanks so much for your time thanks
0: Nick that was Lee Jordan from the Victoria Racing Club and yeah excitement building towards the, the back end of the season and everything that uh, the US and Australia and Hong Kong and Japan have to offer us uh, Lisa Tan of course is our official milliner On the Nick Luck Daily podcast. Lisa is also a genuine bona fide racing expert. I have seen her many times at York this week already. Um, And Lisa, you're getting involved with with the Cup. You're effectively spiritually going home, really, aren't you? And and to what extent did, did the Melbourne Cup and fashions on the field get you into the game in the first place?
6: It was responsible for me being here. That's what. That's what I would say it was um, the Melbourne Cup was the catalyst that started it all, really. And my mother was a, a huge fan of the Melbourne Cup. Not in any racing perspective, but she just loved a little flutter. But loved the fashion side of things. Uh, always went to a luncheon with my grandmother um, because we lived in Perth so as you know the cup it stops a nation and it really did stop a nation back then so every year they would go to a Melbourne Cup luncheon they would put on their best and my mum would make a hat that was not anything like I would make but she was very artistic so she'd make something and usually they would come home with the best hat prize so that's my earliest memories of racing and of racing fashion and uh, yeah one year I watched the Melbourne Cup and went to a and with them and just said this is amazing we have to go we actually have to go to melbourne and do this so we did and that's where it all began
0: so your twin loves of horse racing and hats all stemmed from there so what are you doing for the vrc this year
6: well, uh... the VIC contacted me and said, um, you know, could you help us out with letting everybody know that the Fashions on the Field competition, which has been running for over 60 years and was something that I was very, very fond of when I lived in Australia and actually when I lived here as well, um, it is actually going international for the first time. And I remember, this is a chat that they've been talking about for a very long time as well. They've been wanting to do this for ages. I've been wanting them to, wanting them to do it for ages as well so it's so exciting that now no matter where you live in the world you can enter Flemington's fashions on the field competition
0: that is a a fantastic idea um tell me how have the fashions been in York this week
6: Oh, excellent. Yeah. Very, very busy yesterday. I was having a chat to George Dirty, who's um, one of the hosts and main judges of uh, the fashion competition there. And uh, she said that there was a great turnout yesterday. I think yesterday's winner was um, gorgeous. Very different vibe, actually. Very modern. She was wearing trousers and a boater, so obviously I loved it. (laughs) Um, But everyone in York really goes to great effort to look fantastic on all four days.
0: It would be nice to think that perhaps somebody from here this week, somebody from York might enter your competition.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. I would be shocked if they didn't. Uh, And it's so easy to enter as well. It's all done digitally. So all you need to do is take three photos of yourself in your outfit. Make sure you have appropriate millinery on, obviously. Uh, And it's open to two different categories as well, which is interesting. So they're non-gender specific. It's best dressed and best suited. So, obviously, if you're male, female, other, you can enter whichever category you like, and you can enter up to four times as well, four different outfits. So, so many chances to win, and they will be choosing one international finalist for each category and flying you out to the Melbourne Cup Carnival for a a once-in-a-lifetime trip. And I can tell you, having gone to the Melbourne Cup Carnival many, many times myself, you will not experience anything like that anywhere else in the world. It's just such a fun week.
0: Uh, this does not sound too shabby. Lisa, thanks so much.
3: <laughs> no problem.
0: If you happen to have a few idle moments and you have an interest in this sport, uh, be it commercial or otherwise, what do you think you would do? Answer, purchase a stallion prospect. Um, If you're Kevin Blake and Jack Cantalon, who join me now having just um gone to France and acquired a sprinting prospect who could yet win Group 1's by the end of the season um i know you're both clearly completely barking mad um i'll, I'll let i'll la- let jack take take the first bite of this cherry jack what on earth are you thinking uh look nick we're we're
7: fully aware we're not sheikh muhammad we're not uh john magner so we need to think a little bit differently when it comes to purchasing a stallion prospect and that landed us on Bootymont. uh One of the leading French sprinters, a son of acclimation, just like Dark Angel and Memas, and already having recorded a queer high higher than Dark Angel and Memas. And I suppose myself and Kevin have been searching for a stallion prospect for the last few years. And what's unique about this is you're going to have on these august airways over the next while a lot of stallion retirements. But what's unique about this proposition, and it's why my inbox is so full with people wanting to get involved, is this is a stallion being reimagined as we go for two more Group One races before retiring to Ireland at the end of the year.
0: All right. So, Kevin, how does this work for you guys commercially? How does it work for Cantalon and Blake? Because I'm thinking these are two of the sharper minds I know in the sport. They've scurried off to France. They found a horse that, as you say in the commercial, is not a household name
8: yet, how are they all going to hang together? Well, sure, look, Nick, it's, it's the commercial realities of it, I suppose. What's obvious is going to be out of reach of the majority, and that that certainly applies to us. So as Jack says, look, we had to think a little bit left field. Um, but look, I think that when we've presented this horse in front of people and explained him to them, because he does need an introduction, he does need explaining to most because he is a, a French-based sprinter. But look, it makes a lot of sense. There is a lot of familiarity in there. Um, you know, being a sort of acclimation is absolutely key. Like Britain and Ireland are absolutely full of people that have had really good experiences with acclimation, you know, with Maymas, with Dark Angel, with Equiano, you know, and, and his record as a Cyrus Cyrus is uh, genuinely remarkable. So, you know, that part of the equation will be easy to understand. You know, as a physical specimen, he stands up really well. Like he actually looks really similar to acclimation himself. On that video, we, we put together a nice little morph video with, with an image of acclimation morphing into Boudiment to, uh, to emphasize the similarities. And look, the, the, the ability is there too, which, which is the most important thing. It took a while to uh, reveal itself. And um, they started this horse over a mile and he's gradually worked his way back down in trip. And on just a second go over five furlongs, first time he got fast ground over that trip. You know, he put up a, a really excellent performance at Shaun T Um, came close to broke breaking the track record. Put away a real good field of sprinters, and uh, really like Nick. When you when you when you really examine the horse and get to know him, I I can see why. Um, he almost fooled them for so long because temperamentally, like he's he's ultra laid back, and you watch him through his races over longer trips, and like he doesn't shape like a horse that's crying out for a dropping trip. Like he's very relaxed in his races, almost behind the bridle a lot of the time. Um, but the speed is in there, um, as he showed at Sean T. Um, reminds me a lot of a horse I used to deal with, actually called Medician Man, who is the exact same, ultra laid back. You'd never ever think he was a five furlong sprinter, but when he got the chance to do it, he ended up nearly winning a King's Stand. Yeah. And uh, this this fella's this fella's quite similar. And uh, like I say, I think when people sit down, they see him, they watch his races, they 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 read the bits and pieces. You know, they're finding him quite compelling. So I think we, we might have happened across a really interesting one. You're very good at this. Have you thought of doing any broadcasting professionally? <laughs> said, yeah, that would, that would never that would never work, surely. It's very it, it's it, it's
0: it's incredibly persuasive. Now, Lydia is my guest today on this show, and I said, I'm I'm ringing Jack and Kevin to talk about this new stallion <laughs> called Boutemont, who's the fastest horse in France. And she said, Sprinter? I said yes. She said, Ask Kevin Blake how he's gone out and bought a sprinting stallion after his many chaptered treaties on venerating stamina in breeding prospects so i'm i'm doing as i'm bid
8: no and and she's absolutely dead right and uh, those views that i have are still very much there but the problem nick is that there's a there's a big old gap in that end of the market that um that lydia refers to we have a lack of stallions in that area but i suppose the issue is it, it it's so picky and so difficult that um going with something outside of the obvious is like really challenging in, in commercial terms. So while we did look and we did inquire after plenty of stallions that would have more so fit that bill, and um, you know none of them none of them got close to getting over the line. So um, it's something we we'd love to do later when the right horse presents itself. But at the other end of the, of the scale, the right horse has presented itself to us right now in Boutemont, and um, look, we, we think he'll be we we think he'll be very appealing to to an oh. awful lot of breeders and and you and he, may... did, and he did and he did win and he did win over a mile, so he's he's not you know <laughs> <laughs> that'll do that'll do you you may
0: you, you may um put down your own pieces to camera, but I know that Jack cantillon delivers a better piece to camera than just about than just about anyone else I know. I mean, I now um photograph all my receipts and consolidate them in a convenient app on the back of what what i what I saw you doing, Jack. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I took it. To, look, not to put my mug on uh, our my promotional video. I decided to uh, reimagine the monorail uh, song from The Simpsons um, it, with a catchy tune about <laughs> Bouthemont because we're very we acknowledge. Look. Let's be clear about this. We have to build a coalition of small breeders and independent breeders that want to get behind this horse. If we do not do that, we will fail. But what, so what we have done is we found a left field stallion prospect, which we think has compelling credentials. And by repackaging him with a package that has racing rights, with breeding rights, and at a price that's affordable can sing the tune of monorail and go a bit ridiculous because that's exactly what this is it's something that's left field but hugely hopefully enticing to those breeders and look i'm excited by the the level of dm action i'm getting right now i certainly never uh, got it when i was on the dating scene um and uh we're 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 looking forward to kicking on with Bougemont towards the Flying Five
8: in a couple of weeks' time. Can yeah, look, it? hopefully this. Can, hopefully you this will turn-
7: Can you sing it for me? Can
3: you
8: sing it for me? I tell you, Nick, we're we're just, we're just hoping that this stallion works out a little bit better than the monorail did for the, for the citizens of Springfield. But I will, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to hope to make that. Happen. <laughs> um, what I really admire
0: is the enterprise and the sense of fun that you're getting from it as well. I realise it is a you know, an exercise in trying to make this commercially successful. But if you don't get any joy out of this sport, what the
8: hell's the point in doing it in the first place? Yeah, and look at Nick. We're going in with our eyes open too. Like we know like this. This is just a fiercely, fiercely competitive business, you know, in Ireland in particular, like full of people that, that are the best in the world at what they do. So, um, you know, we're not going in naively in fairness to Jack. Like this, this is not his first rodeo. He's went and did an exceptional job with, would Far Above and then again with 50 stars. Um, you know, I don't have that, that experience to point to, but, um, you can trust me in, 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 in hearing that like uh, the amount of kind of thought that, I, that has been put into this from, from my point of view and the amount of rigor that's gone into ending up with what we have now, um, you know, has been, you know, years in the making really. So look, we, we, we've, we've got plenty of ideas and, um, you know, we're not going to come in and reinvent the wheel, but we have a few, a few different ways of spinning it, I think. Um, and we're going to do things that we hope offer a, a really compelling, um, service and product to, um, to the breeders. And um, that that represents something a little bit different to what they're used to um Boutemont today tomorrow the world
0: Kevin Blake and Jack cancelon <laughs> gentlemen, thank you so much
7: thanks very much, Nick
8: thanks Nick
0: Kevin Blake and Jack cancelon now responsible for Boutemont. you can get involved before he wins two group ones, Lydia yeah who
3: hey.
1: who hey. <laughs>
0: Boutement. Boutement.
1: <laughs> I mean, as you put to him, it's, it seems strange to me that uh, Kevin was only recently expanded in the three part treatise about the merits of uh, stay- staying stallions um, and also the demerits of uh, breeding from lesser sprinting type horses or precocious type horses as compared with uh, more substantial bloodlines that have been established by middle distance horses. I get, obviously, I get the economics argument. Of, and, you know that is inarguable. We've got to change. We've got to change that landscape. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of you know. Don't do as I do. Do as I say.
0: <laughs> well, I, I wish them all the best. I think they're approaching it in the right spirit. Definitely.
1: I'm um, joking. I'm, I'm mostly joking. Like 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 ninety
8: five percent
0: joking. I, yeah. So I, I there you go. Well, I I, I was pro- I was almost completely convinced that the horse had already had the flying five and the Abbey in the bag. They are very. They're very. <laughs> They're very persuasive. Um, Right. Do you have a tip for me for today?
1: I do guess. Well, it's not for today. When do you think it would be for?
0: It'll be for the, oh, it's for the um, wretched Melrose, isn't it?
1: What did you just call it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, big fish landed. Big fish landed. (laughs) For the Melrose, an excellent staying handicap for three-year-olds.
1: It is, the 2.35 at Saturday, the race that stops my household. Um, it is, uh, the horses at Alhambra Palace uh, for William Haggison H- Adam farraher uh, Again, bottom weight sneaking in off a mark of 79. I was particularly impressed with that win at Sandown, where I think he sort of got involved, wanted to come stand side quite a long way out. I think he managed in the ground. I, I, I would put in the back of my mind, I'm hoping that that shower does come, because that would remove the 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 lightning quick ground potentially um, for him, and you know he he's, he is unproven on that. But I didn't get the impression that he absolutely loved heavy ground last time. I thought he managed in it, and I think he did well to be able to win uh, quite comfortably in the end, despite the race not exactly panning out to suit. And uh, he is on a hat trick. Uh, William Haggis obviously worked managed. To, I think Salt wasn't salt and bottom weight when he won last year. I think he was. He was so, certainly well know, down there. Yeah, he'll be working back from from, from this target. Uh, obviously, there's the stable companion lordship that Tom Akwande is riding um higher up the weights. Uh, that horse is seeking a four term and he's to be respected. There are many others to respect, but for me, it's Alhambra Palace in the 225 at York on Saturday.
0: Lydia, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. See you again on Monday. Bye-bye.